Are you a small business owner looking to take your business to the next level? Are you interested in starting a business but don't know where to begin? Welcome to the Source Capital Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs gain a better understanding of the capital raising process and help them get the funding necessary to start and grow their business. I'm your host, Corey Townsend, and I help people start and grow businesses. Use those businesses to create and manage wealth and use their wealth to establish and preserve their legacy. Welcome, Virginia Elder, to the Source Capital Podcast. I am so excited to have you join us today because I think you have a very interesting business. And it's funny, I had someone call me today that wanted to do a startup restaurant and they were telling me how there wasn't enough opportunities for restaurants and entertainment in their community. And they thought this would be a great business. And I thought, you know, everybody wants to do a restaurant. They should do something like what Virginia has because it's a very unique, it's niche, it's a high demand business. And I just think people need to know more about the type of business you have and how you can be financially independent and successful with something other than a restaurant or your typical startup business. Yeah. Before we dive into that, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and your background. So tell me where you're from. I am from Texas, born here in El Paso. And then when I was young, five or six years old, we moved to the Dallas area. Been around here ever since, with the exception of just a year or two, but we always came back. (laughs) Always back to Texas, right? Yes. So what was it like growing up in Texas? I went to public school. My parents moved out to a small town when I was in high school, which I absolutely hated. So I promptly moved back to the city as soon as I graduated and went to a local college here, UT Dallas, actually. Got my accounting degree, which is not being used right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's being used in ways that are not traditionally used for accounting, right? Yes. It's in the (laughs) background of my business because I am not running an accounting business here. (laughs) (laughs) So you went to college for accounting. Did you work in accounting at all for a period of time or did you always have sort of the entrepreneurial bug and, and plan to go out and work for yourself? A little of A and a little of B. Right out of college, I actually went to work for my dad. He owned a construction company. So I quickly learned how to read blueprints and jumped into the project management side of things and was wearing the boots and the hard hat and going out on job sites and inspecting roofs and the whole nine yards. Oh, wow. I loved it. And I learned so much. Being a woman in that space is a very interesting, sometimes strange spot to be in. Right. But I felt like it was so important and so needed. And anytime I saw another woman on the job site, we would lock eyes and be like, hey, (laughs) I see you. (laughs) Right. So I did that for about seven years. After that, I decided I did want to use my degree, which again, I probably was using it in a different way than you would typically think. So I jumped into the audit side of business. I was a good guy auditor. So I worked for (laughs) companies. They would hire our consulting firm to come in and look at sales tax was what I Mm -hmm. had my expertise in. So here in Texas, there are lots of oil and gas and other sales tax 
advantages that you can take advantage of if you do it right. So we would come in and look at their invoices and tell whether they could get a refund or not for the sales tax. Did that for about seven years and thoroughly enjoyed it. But the trouble was we were starting our family and I wanted to be home and I wanted to be more available. And it killed me to drop off my kids at daycare or the sitter or whoever every day. For one, you have that scramble. Anytime there's change in the schedule or a deadline for work or anything, you're scrambling to find care. So that was stressful. Right. But the biggest thing was I was carrying this load of guilt for leaving my babies. Yeah. That was the big thing. I wanted to be home. And I did seek opportunities in the audit world, which they do exist, where you can work from home a couple days a week, three days a week. Even those were just not quite enough. Yeah. And I started doing some financial coaching on the side and kind of led me this direction. I started a podcast about finances for moms, just based on our journey that we were going through. And eventually was like, I'm out of here. Like, (laughs) I never want to work for somebody again. I didn't have bad bosses or anything. It was just my personal desire for the lifestyle I wanted became so clear once we had kids and had our family. And I could see the opportunity was out there, but I needed to leave completely and have the freedom to really be able to embrace and try to start my own business. Yeah, I think that's one of the most popular misconceptions about entrepreneurship is that it's a cash grab, right? You work for yourself, Mm -hmm. you're going to make all this money, you're going to be super rich and private planes and big cars and mansions. Mm -hmm. And what it's really about is having control of your time. When you are your own boss, you control your time and Mm -hmm. what you do and what you choose to not do. A lot of people don't really realize that. They think about the economics of it Mm -hmm. and the finance of it, but not really the time and your ability to control your time and what you do and what you enjoy doing. Yeah. So your first foray or the beginning of the entrepreneurial process for you was in financial coaching. Tell me a little bit more about that. That stemmed mostly from kind of a passion project. We ventured down this path of our own personal financial journey. I had volunteered to help someone through a big financial endeavor, not realizing that it would almost take us down with it. Mm-hmm. So we found ourselves in a ton of debt and basically being at the point where we had two young babies, a two-year-old and a newborn. And we were $80,000 in debt and just absolutely stressed to my eyeballs. I remember sitting in the rocking chair holding the baby and just crying Mm -hmm. because I did not know what we were going to do. At that point, you can crumble or you can rise. And it made me so angry that I had no choice but to rise. (laughs) And that's one of those moments where the fire just comes out of you, right? And you're like, no, this is not going to determine my future or my children's future. That was the big thought. So at that point, I still was working for the consulting firm doing audit. And I leaned into that as much as I could. I was hustling to make bonus. I did everything I could to make solid connections with our clients 
thinking that the word would get up that, hey, you know, this staff that you have is great. Maybe I would get better projects, higher dollar projects. On the side, it became this thing of, you know what? I'm not the only person in this position. I'm not the only mom who's feeling like I'm making all these sacrifices and feeling like I'm not getting anywhere, feeling like we're just treading water. Like, how do you actually get to the point where you pay off debt and you keep your house and you do all these things and you avoid bankruptcy? I mean, these were all really scary, big decisions that were facing us at that time. Mm -hmm. Long story short, we did avoid bankruptcy. We did pay off all our debt in three years, actually. It became this passion that I could not stop talking about. I was seeking out different financial groups that had financially minded people in them, which is funny because that's how you and I connected. Right. And doing everything I could to reach out to moms and provide legitimate in the weeds advice for those tough decisions and budgeting and kind of attempting to relieve some of the guilt that I knew was out there around finances. And through that, I launched a podcast and my website and, you know, was doing all the online things, posting on Facebook every day and really just working myself into a point of burnout because I was balancing that with my full-time job. I could see how it could work if I had more time and space and freedom and if we were debt-free and all these things. So I made a plan to just put all those in place so that I could leave. Through that journey, I designed different group programs and did one-on-one coaching. I learned a lot. It wasn't sustainable for me as far as my time and what people would pay. And so the big lean toward where I am today was that I launched my podcast And people quickly said, oh my gosh, how'd you do that? Can you do mine? (laughs) And within a few months time, it was very clear to me that, okay, I need to drop the financial coaching piece and I need to lean into this podcasting thing. Uh I didn't know it at the time, but that was definitely the best decision. You raise an interesting point because, you know, you see a lot of people now Obviously, we probably see more than the average person having been somewhat, and I'm new to the FinCon community, but you've been around FinCon for a while. But there are a lot of people that are doing the financial coaching. And as you say, a lot of people doing very well at it. So what was your model and was the challenge for you that the financial coaching was more of a passion project? And so you were more interested in helping people get to a better place as opposed to Mm. monetizing, I put that in air quotes, monetizing the business, right, in that way. Right. Tell me a little bit more about that. I think the challenge there was, it was my first foray into my own business, the online business world, using social media for marketing, creating your own first website. Mm. I was doing everything from scratch and I really had no mentor or real direction. I didn't know there were business coaches out there. I didn't really know there were groups that you could join with all these resources. And now I'm a part of those things. But those were discovered along the way. Entrepreneurship is so much about just being open to learning and being open to resources appearing. Mm -hmm. And early on, I was so 
busy working full time and doing the online thing and kids and debt and everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't know to look for those groups or those resources. All right, you didn't know what you didn't know. Exactly. And so I think in a way, what I'm doing now is kind of my second online business, mm-hmm. completely different website, completely different business model. Before it was one-on-one coaching, free content, trying to get affiliate links up there, trying to get people to click on affiliate links. And there was group and one-on-one programs. And I was designing those programs from scratch based on things that I had learned and had put into practice with our finances that made a difference. Right. And so it was good information, but without the mentorship and the business coach and other resources that are available out there that I didn't know existed, I was just on my own. And I think, unfortunately, that's how a lot of entrepreneurs start their businesses. They think it's a great idea and just kind of jump out there Mm -hmm. without any real model to follow. And that's where I think this time around, I knew to seek those resources. I knew to look ahead and figure out, all right, where are we going this year? Who are my ideal clients? All of these different steps. That's a good point to transition to your current business. And so you were already working for yourself full-time when you made the transition to your current business? Yes. I quit my full-time job, launched the podcast a few months later, determined that I was just going to figure it out. I didn't know if it was still going to be coaching. I didn't know if maybe I had to completely change my coaching model. I wasn't quite sure, but I was just going to figure it out. And this was after you paid off all your debt and were debt-free? Yes. Okay. There were those strategic steps in place. My husband is a teacher and a coach. So he's always been the like consistent income person, right? which is nice because that's given me the opportunity to dodge and move and correct and get back on course. Because if something's not working, you have to pivot. Right. So the timing was, yes, we paid off our debt. I think we were debt free a year or two. Mm. Then I quit my job. That was in the summer. And then in August, there was a FinCon event and I launched my podcast like days before that because I really wanted to be able to go and say, I am a podcaster. I felt like that was important. Right. It was at that event that several people said, oh my gosh, you launched your podcast. How did you do it? And they would listen and they'd say, (laughs) it sounds so good. What did you do? Could you do mine? I didn't know it at that time. I was just like, oh, sure. Yeah. I have to figure out some rates, but I'm sure I could do that for you. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Did you even know how much to charge? So you got all all these clients and you don't even know what the appropriate pricing is. It's awesome. No, yeah, I had no idea. (laughs) So the good news was there is an editor that has been in the financial space. His name is Steve Stewart. I'll give him a quick shout out. He was like the original, right? On all the financial podcasts that I had been listening to, they'd give him little shout outs here and there. So I knew the name. Well, I met him and I quickly said, I'm learning about this space. Do you have any resources or do you have a group I can join or how can I learn more about this to make this really work? Mm -hmm. Because I had already been doing the financial coaching thing, right? That wasn't working. And so I knew, okay, let's lean into this. All of these little decisions combined, I didn't know that at the time, 
But when I look back, those were the pivotal moments that made this work. Yeah. And I'm still a part of his group. I have a paid yearly subscription for several hundred dollars to have access to his resources. And I am thankful every day. So this time around, I have made it a point to seek those resources, join those groups, pay for the coaching that's needed, Mm -hmm. take the trainings, take the online classes all the time. I think you'll find that I'm going to some convention, some event in some online class or forum or whatever, learning because especially being in the online space, you have to stay up with the times, right? Some new software comes out and your clients are going to ask about it. You need to know about it. So yeah, it's been interesting. Well, and one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on as a guest is the podcast. It's about entrepreneurship and how entrepreneurs can get access to capital to start their business. And your business was it necessarily capital intensive because, you know, in my day-to-day job, I'm financing large projects, but I'm excited to have you on because you can share a different approach and a different type of business that gives you incredible flexibility, right? Yeah. I mean, you have your own schedule, you're able to work at home and spend time with your children in a way that you wouldn't necessarily do if you had a more traditional startup, right? Right. The typical startup restaurant, right? Not to pick on restaurants, startup restaurants are fantastic, but I'd love to hear a little bit about what it took to get your business started, because as you said, you kind of fell into this particular business model because mm-hmm. you were already doing it and you were doing a great job at it. So you had already made some investments for your other business personally that you were able to utilize in the news business. So let's talk a little bit about that. What type of investments did you need to make in order to get your business really ramped up and started? Yeah, really all it took was the purchase of a laptop. Mm. In my case, I went for the Mac because they're supposedly have the best (laughs) audio and video editing tools. And I just, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I wanted something that had these built-in programs that I could just open it up, easily learn how to use. And I already had an iPhone. So I figured, okay, pop it over on the Mac, figure out how to edit. Literally anything you want to know is on YouTube. Right. So all you have to do is look up how to edit video using (laughs) iMovie on YouTube. (laughs) Watch a few videos and you figure it out. Sure, you're not like this professional level video editor yet at that point, Mm. but you're learning and you have to go through those first steps before you can get any further. And that's how I started. Just, you know, simple laptop. Even the mic I still have right now is the $100 mic. It's Mm -hmm. nothing crazy. Eventually, I did buy some nice speakers on my desk here so that I can listen and edit audio without having the headphones on my ears because the weight does bother me and give me a headache after a while. Mm -hmm. But really, those initial investments were very simple. And I'm thinking most people have the laptop, the iPhone right? Those are some pretty standard things. And that could be an easy way to just get started with any online business, whether you want to be a social media manager or copywriter or a video editor or any of these things, you can figure out the basics using YouTube. And then you can use your equipment that you already own for personal use anyways. And get started. And that's what I did. I didn't make any big investments up front. 
My first multiple shows were edited on GarageBand and iMovie just for free because those are programs that are on <laughs> on your Mac. You already had them. Now, as time has gone by, of course, I've taken classes and used more advanced programs now. But initially, just to get started, and now this sounds bad, but you have to kind of be willing to just start ugly, do it dirty, whatever kind of phrase you want to say, mm-hmm. just to get started. Because if you put all these imaginary barriers in place around be a professional at knowing everything this software program can do in order to edit my first podcast, no, you're never going to start. Right. But if you just get started, I think that's the biggest bottom line to starting a business. And for our situation in particular, I never really saw myself as running a restaurant like the example that we're kind of going off of here, but I never saw myself with any of those big kind of capital intensive location centered businesses because the whole point was I wanted to be home. Mm -hmm. I wanted to walk my babies to school, pick them up. The business had to be here at home, but yeah, it didn't take much. And that's why I was excited to connect with you too, because I don't know much about raising capital or getting loans or anything like that. So I'm going to learn through your show too. I think that's the exciting thing is there is no one way to start a business. There is no one way to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. There's so many different options and opportunities out there. If, as you said, which I think is super important and should be highlighted, you can be flexible and you can pivot when you need to. Mm -hmm. Irrespective of what type of business you want to start, if things aren't going the way that you think they ought to, you have to be willing to pivot quickly. Right. What's the saying? Fail fast, right? Yes. And move on to the next thing. Yes. So what's something about your business now that you couldn't have imagined when you started out just as a finance coach and you said, you know, I'm I'm going to be my own boss and I'm going to do this entrepreneurship thing full time. Mm -hmm. What's something that if you had told yourself then that you would have accomplished that you wouldn't have been able to believe? The first thing that comes to mind is that I have clients and contractors in countries that I've never been to. (laughs) That's awesome. That's the craziest thing to me. Right. You know, Australia, Africa, the UK, just the thought of that still astounds me. I've lived in Texas my whole life. I've never even been to most states. I have this very like sheltered perspective of the world. And so then when I do connect with someone, usually the initial connection is like on Facebook or something, right? But then we do a Zoom call. And so their technology is helping us connect with people across the world. Next thing you know, you're working together or you meet them at a conference. And the same thing, I've been on podcasts that the host lives, you know, somewhere completely different in the Netherlands or something. And that always amazes me. And then the other thing I think would be this confidence that what I do, for one, I'm good at it. And for two, people rely and depend on me and need me to do this for them. Mm -hmm. Podcasting, especially hiring a podcast editor to some people, they're like, I want my show to be natural and unedited and I don't need an editor. And so there's this like legitimately an argument online sometimes (laughs) about what an editor can or should or couldn't do or whatever. But I 
purposely edit shows to where they sound natural. I was going to say, it takes a lot of work to sound natural. <laughs> it's more work than making it sound like there's cuts all throughout it. That's right. <laughs> right. It's a whole lot of work for the podcast to sound natural. Right. <laughs> and that thought that people would be relying on me so heavily for something that they're passionate about, hmm. it really means a lot to me. It's fulfilling. You know, I'm helping people get their voice out there that they wouldn't have otherwise. Man, that's awesome. So we talked a little bit about where the business is now and how you have to be flexible and you have to stay up with technology as it advances. And obviously, mm -hmm. over the past 24 months, the world has kind of turned upside down. Oh, yeah. Where do you see podcasting and online media marketing as a business in the next three to five years? I honestly think we're still just in that beginning curve. Mm -hmm. I think that entrepreneurs and businesses, even large corporations, are still just taking those baby steps into online marketing. They're still learning how to use YouTube effectively, mm -hmm. how to use social media to actually get the eyeballs that they want instead of putting up kind of cheesy graphics. And so I think we're in a great spot here because... Sure, there's millions and billions of people looking at social media or watching YouTube or listening to podcasts. But year over year, the stats and numbers are showing that listenership is just skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. So I think we're in a good spot. What would you say is one of the most common myths about being a podcast editor? I want to say that it's easy. <laughs> we know that's not true. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> What is your biggest pet peeve for your clients? What do we do as clients that irritate you? Are you asking what not to do? <laughs> right. Yes. What do we not do so that we don't upset you and get fired as a client? <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll never do any of this. The biggest thing for me would be not paying an invoice on time. <laughs> right. And not just like one time and you're out. But if it was like a consistent thing where I have to chase somebody down, I am not doing that. <laughs> I think the other things that could be annoying about podcast editing, which I'm completely guilty of, is the crutch words. The um, the ah, the like, the you know, uh, stutter, all of that stuff, which I do myself. I'm not a good speaker. Right. Me too. <laughs> but there are programs and technology that help with all of that. So having mm. the right software has saved me so much frustration and annoyance <laughs> and irritation. And sometimes that new client that has that new weird verbal tick that they do that you've never heard before is a blessing in disguise because you go down this rabbit hole hunting for a solution mm. and you discover this great software that was created exactly for what you need. <laughs> wow. So I guess the opposite side of that there would be that you do have to watch out. <laughs> you don't want to be just buying software every month, every week, whatever. So you do have to keep an eye on your costs behind the scenes with software. That's like the biggest thing. Also, then everything that you buy, every new foray, is a new learning curve. Mm -hmm. So while it's great to keep learning, there is a point where you just want to pump the brakes, do what you're good at, stay efficient, and just keep going with what you have. What would you say is the most important trait you would have to have in order to be a podcast editor? I think the 
ability to sit down and focus for long periods of time mm-hmm. is very important. A single one-hour interview with just two people can take up to three hours for an efficient editor to work on. Now, I have heard horror stories of people working 11 hours on a single one-hour interview. Oh, wow. And I about fell out of my chair because I will not do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I do get in here in the morning, have my coffee, and I sit here and I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but I kind of don't move all day. Mm. (laughs) So, So I think the ability to... Focus for those long periods of time is important, Mm -hmm. but that would also work well for someone who could efficiently schedule themselves little five-minute breaks to get up often and still be able to come back and start with the same level of efficiency that they had 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the hardest part is just maintaining that efficiency and getting through the work because you can easily get to a point where you're like, oh, my ears are tired. My eyes are tired. My eyes hurt. But your clients are depending on you to get their show out on time. So it's not like you just don't edit an interview one day. Do you find that sometimes when the conversation is particularly engaging, you're listening and not editing? Yes. Because I would probably (laughs) struggle with that, right? I mean, you know, I'm supposed to be editing. This is really cool. <laughs> yes. Honestly, those are my favorite clients, though, because I am into what they're talking about. Right. I'm paying attention and sure, I'll stop and realize like, oh, and then you just go back, you know, five minutes or whatever right. and listen to it again with that critical ear. But I refuse actually to take on a client that is going to podcast about a topic that I am not interested in. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just not. I'm not the right person. We're not aligned. Right. I will connect them with someone in the network who is aligned with that. That was one of the things that when I set out to do this, I said, okay, this is my chance to make this business what I want it to be in every way possible. Mm-hmm. I focused on profit first. I focused on accepting clients that have topics that I'm interested in that I can align with their passions and help them in a passionate way from my side as well. I want to be able to support and not just be just doing the work Mm -hmm. and then scheduling like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. I want this to be working for me as much as I'm working for the business. So do you have plans to grow? Are you adding employees or contractors? Tell a little bit about the future of Podcast Abundance. Yeah, this past year has been so eye-opening in so many ways. And to be honest, we are experiencing growth that I did not see coming. (laughs) And it has been amazing and scary and all the things. (laughs) (laughs) To be just very, very honest... I made about 24000 the second year that I was in business. So I was like, okay, there's something here, but still that's not enough money. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then last year I tripled that, which was great, right? Because then it proved to me that, hey, this is a viable source of income. That was kind of where that confidence started to develop that like people need me. Right. I'm doing a good job here. I'm making my space here. And creating a presence. And then this year already has just even skyrocketed even more than that. Yeah, And we're just in the first two months of the year. So I do have contractors. I hired three more 
within the past couple of months just to continue to handle the workload. I hired a bookkeeping service, which luckily, again, you know, seeking out that advice. And that was one of the things they said, hey, if you're making about $50,000 in your business, you need to hire a bookkeeper, either one or a service or something, but you need bookkeeping help. Okay. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. I'm going. So... I am in the process of hiring a CPA Mm -hmm. and I don't want just a CPA to file my taxes. I want someone who's going to meet with me monthly or quarterly so we can really be doing the planning. And then from there, I'm kind of not sure. Mm -hmm. I'm open. It's not that I don't have direction, but the way that I've approached everything thus far has been working. And I've been going at it with that open arms policy where Let's just see what happens. Let's see what clients come in. Let's see what the profit and loss looks like. Let's see how many contractors I need. Let's just be open to what comes my way. Sometimes that means pivoting. Sometimes that means hiring a video editor because now we need to be doing video because that was a big thing that I learned at one of the events a couple of years back. So being open to what might come our way. I mean, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And the other thing is you have to be focused on the driver of the business, right? Which was time with your family. So mm-hmm. you're balancing, I'm sure, okay, how do I grow this monster, right? So that it doesn't take over. Yes. And basically you're right back in the place you were before when you were working for somebody else. Yes. The business is who you're working for and you kind of don't have the advantages that you had when you first started. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a difficult balance that you have to make. Absolutely. And I think there are times and phases and seasons for everything Mm -hmm. because there's definitely a season where you are the business. You're the sole person. You probably don't have any contractors. You are just hustle all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And there's time for that. And it's important to go through that time, learn your business, figure out where you can hire people. And then there's a time where you look and you're like, okay, this is too much. I can't handle If I get one more client, I don't know how I'm going to do it, right? Right. So before that point, you want to start looking for that help that you're going to need. Maybe you're not ready to hire a full-time employee. You can hire a contractor. Through, again, the groups and the resources and Facebook groups, I have found excellent contractors. I'm really, really thankful. So... There's a time in a season and I'm definitely in the season of I am still working a lot. I do have a lot of help, but I'm not quite to the point where I'm just traveling the world for a month. Right. <laughs> so I'm in between there. I have been advised that at this stage of business, I need to lean into the self-care and make sure that I'm getting that exercise and doing things that are healthy for me because that free time and that free space where you're taking care of yourself is actually where you're able to dream up the solutions that you're going to need next. That's great advice. Well, I have taken up enough of your time. I really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. Where can people find you on the old interweb and social media? (laughs) Yeah, I'm at podcastabundance.com and on Instagram at podcastabundance. Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you so much for all you do, including this interview. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to the Source Capital Podcast, where we focus on helping small business owners 
because we believe entrepreneurship is the best path to self-reliance, self-determination, and self-ownership. I'm your host, Corey Townsend. For more information, check us out at YourSmallBusinessBanker.com or at YourSmallBusinessBanker on Instagram or Facebook. And remember, as legendary cartoonist Walt Disney used to say, think beyond your lifetime if you want to do something truly great.